Hello, and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Friday, July 8th, 2022. I'm Micah Chopley. Okay, we've made it to the end of another week. We've made it to the end of another week. And uh, it just gets crazier and crazier. It really does. It really does. Uh, so here I am in New York, and some here where a a bodega owner and a lot of you know a lot of convenience stores here in New York for a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of old bodegas a lot of convenience stores and it's a very dangerous job it's a very dangerous job because especially at night but all hours of the day you know some of these bodegas are in areas that are not very good there's a lot of crime and uh, a lot of guns out there and so uh, instances where these bodega owners often have to have some kind of a weapon, and many of them do, either a gun or a knife or something that's uh, behind the counter just in case they get attacked, just in case someone comes in there and wants to rob them or kill them. And what happened in New York was uh, a bodega owner, 61-year-old Jose Alba, he uh, was working. And I believe there was a woman who was uh, trying to purchase a bag of potato chips and her uh, her uh, car didn't have enough money on it. I believe it was the government assistance food stamps car didn't have enough money on it. It didn't go through, so she couldn't buy it. He said, no, you can't have the potato chips because you have to pay for these things. And uh, she complained to her, her, her friend, who, a boyfriend who was with her, and the guy goes behind the counter and starts attacking Mr. Alba. He starts pushing him around, and you can see the video. And if you go on, uh, as I'm talking, if you actually go online, if you haven't seen this yet, if you go online and you look for Jose Alba Bodega, it'll come up and you can see the video. And on Twitter, on the news here in New York, they've been playing like, and on Fox and such, they've been playing maybe 20, 25 seconds. They've been playing up until you see Mr. Alba with a knife in his hand about to stab the assailant, and they, they stop playing it. But if you go on Twitter, a lot of people have the full video, which is like almost two minutes long. And then you get actually a better uh, idea of what's happening where the, the, the guy goes around the counter, Mr. Alba, and this is a young black guy, a six-year-old. And he pushes him, pushes him, and he goes flying against the wall. And there's stuff on the wall and it shakes. And you can see him standing over him, saying something, yelling at him, threatening him. And then Mr. Alba tries to get up and the, uh, the assailant grabs him. And Mr. Alba, I believe, must have had a knife hidden somewhere just for this purpose and grabbed it and then in self-defense because he was afraid for his life because think about it. I mean, he's already been pushed around. He'd already been shoved against the wall. Um, and one punch from this kid could have killed him. It's very, it's very reasonable. And of course he doesn't know if the kid has a, a gun on him or a knife or what, what the kid might pull out. So Mr. Alba grabs his knife, which he has there in self-defense. Now, Mr. Alba who works with Bodega, Bodega has this knife for self-defense. That's why it's there. That's the only reason why it's there. Mr. Alba is not a murderer. Mr. Alba is a is a is a is a good worker, a blue collar worker, and he has it there to protect himself just from these situations. So he grabs the knife and he starts stabbing. He starts stabbing the black kid who is pummeling him. 
and he stabbed him in a couple of places where it ended up being fatal, and the kid, unfortunately, died. Now, to me, this is obviously self-defense, and if you watch the video, it's obviously self-defense. There's no doubt that it's not self-defense. Yet, Alvin Bragg, the Soros-owned Manhattan DA, um, arrested him, put him in jail, put him in Rikers Island on, I believe, a quarter of a million dollars bail. This is a 61-year-old worker, bodega worker, with no criminal record, who was acting in self-defense. And Alvin Bragg wanted him to have to pay a quarter of a million dollars for bail. I believe after public outcry, after Eric Adams, the mayor of the city said it was self-defense. He saw the video and it was obvious self-defense. The bail was lowered to, I believe, $50,000, and he was out on bail after spending a short period of time in Rikers Island. Now, what's amazing about this is it's not just the fact that this was obvious self-defense. It was obvious self-defense. But the fact that when there are actual criminals committing crimes, DAs like Alvin Bragg, and we saw with the outgoing, whenever the hell he leaves, Chesa Budin, why he's not out, I have no fucking clue. And um, George Gascon in Los Angeles is that they give criminals, <laughs> they get criminals no bail, right? No bail, no cash bail. They give them less bail. They give them lighter bail than this man who committed no crime, acted in self-defense, 61 years old, never had any problems with the law. $250,000 originally, $250,000. Now, I don't understand. If you watch this video, I don't understand. I don't get how you can see it as anything but self-defense. Anything but self-defense. And this idea of equal force is, of course, bullshit. You need, when you're defending your life, you need more force. You need to win. Equal force is probably not going to do it, especially someone who's stronger than you and 35, 40 years younger. You need more force. So the idea is when you're defending yourself, you need to use more force in order to win. The idea is to win, not to lose. And this equal force, once again, you don't, what, what is equal force? If someone has a gun, you have to have, a, if someone has a knife, you have to have a knife. If someone has a, a knife, you can't have a gun. If someone comes at you with a knife, if a police, a, a police officer, if someone comes at them with a knife, they can't shoot them, they do it all the time. Where's equal force? Why didn't the police officer, we've seen police officers shoot people when they come at them with their hands or with uh, a weapon that is not lethal. So what do you talk about? What equal force? Police officers don't have to. They can use more force because the idea is to win, to survive, to not die. And so this is the same situation. Now, the, on him, he didn't know that, Alba. He didn't know whether he had a weapon on him or not. The assumption, my assumption would be that either he did or his girlfriend did or one of his friends with him would have had one. That would be my assumption when a guy jumps over the counter and starts assaulting, you have to assume the person has had a weapon in their life and may have a weapon. And so you're trying to defend your life, basically, is what you're doing. That's what he was trying to simply defend his life. And he had a knife, not a gun. A lot of these bodega owners, like I say, have guns. Um, if, if Mr. Alba had a gun, he would have every right to get that gun and shoot this kid dead right there on the spot. If you don't want to get hurt, 
if you don't want to die, don't break the law. Don't jump over the counter and start assaulting the worker, the guy who's getting $10, $15, $20 an hour in New York to support himself and his family. It's pretty simple. No one forces you to do that because you're a girl, because you have to show you're a tough guy, because your girl couldn't get a bag of potato chips. So now you're dead for a bag of potato chips. But, you know, this is just case in point of these ultra-left DAs who, like I've said, they let criminals go. They let criminals go, and the criminals go back onto the streets, and then they put victims like this guy, victims who are acting in self-defense, in jail, or a quarter-million-dollar bond, quarter-of-a-million-dollar bond. Now, the only way Mr. Alba should have been arrested is if, if this kid had left and Mr. Alba went after him with a knife. If the kid had left the convenience store and Mr. Alba went and stabbed him, then there'd be a case against Mr. Alba. But that's not what happened. He stabbed him as the kid was behind the counter assaulting him as Mr. Alba pleaded with him to stop, pleaded with him to leave. And the kid pushed him violently against the wall and was standing over him in a predatory position is when Mr. Alba got up and reached for his self-defense weapon and stabbed the kid. So it's it's really mind-blowing when you see a video like that. You say, did the DA, did Alvin Bragg or anyone in his office see that video? Did they see that video? Or did they just simply arrest the guy because one guy was alive and the other guy was dead? I mean, facts matter. Evidence matters. Everything, every case is different. You can't just arrest a guy and put him in jail and put him on $250,000 bond because he's alive and the guy he stabbed is dead. What was the situation? Do you put a police officer in jail when he's alive and someone he shot is dead? No, of course not. They never do or rarely do. So it makes absolutely no sense. It shows how screwed up these people's ideologies are, their worldview is where the victim is the criminal and the criminal is the victim. It's a totally topsy-turvy world that we're living in, where the liberals see everything backwards. They, they see voodoo medicine as stopping a virus. They see voodoo vaccines that are made of salt water stopping a virus when they haven't. When they haven't, because the evidence shows us they haven't, because here we are 75 fucking years later, and it's variant number 337. But the, the liberal mind is backwards on everything. Let's arrest the people who act in self-defense. Let's arrest the innocent. And let's let the criminals go so they can prey on the innocent more. And if the innocent defend themselves, we'll throw them in jail. We'll show them. It takes a lot of restraint. It takes a lot of restraint for me to talk about this so calmly because this makes me so fucking pissed off. It really makes me pissed off to see this stuff happening. It really does. And now this man, I'm reading here my story, can't return to the deli. He can't return to the deli. He was working there. We're not letting him back, a worker at the Hamilton Heights Blue Moon Convene said who only identified himself as someone called Wilson. Uh, his alleged victim, not a victim, the, the, the criminal, the thug who tried to 
attack him, his friends, family, knowing the man who killed their son, brother, friend, whatever, got out of jail and is working here, that's a death sentence. Uh, of course, I, I would have to agree with this. But look how unfortunate it is this man can't go back to work because he's got to worry about retaliation from a thug's friends who are also thugs. The store's owner told the post, but he out of work. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. And they're all scared of their lives now, the people. They're all scared of the retaliation against them. Here, late Thursday, it was right after prosecuting the is 200 following a wave of the charges. You sold sell out your murder charge. Second murder five. Five times and sisters action fans more violence is to come. Had been to jail. Of course, that's not that's not a shock. And so, what Alvin is other is you cannot defend you. If you defend yourself, there's a decent shot you're going to go to jail and have to go through this. So let the person rob you. Let the person hurt you. Let the person do horrible things to you. But because if you do anything in self-defense, we're going to put you in jail. If you defend your, if you defend yourself against this criminal scum. These savages, you are going to be put in jail. This is what the current ultras owned. Remember, these are all Soros owned. They all had big money in their campaigns from George Soros, because this is Soros's worldview. This is the worldview Soros wants pushed, and so he backs these ultra liberal DAs. Just go into the funding; you can find out who funds their campaign. You have to also look into the dark money, of course, that's allowed and backed by someone like George Soros. But you can look at Chesa Budin and, and, and this guy, uh, Alvin Bragg in New York, or any any ultra-left DA now is ba- backed by George Soros. Backed by George, backed by a multi-billionaire who George Gass going to, backed by a multi-billionaire whose worldview is simply that we need to let the criminals off easy. We need to let the the poor criminals off. Now, I, I don't understand this worldview. Let the criminals off and prosecute the victims. I try to understand like, why. What is the what is the point of that? Does George Soros feel bad for these criminals because they some of them come from backgrounds where they were poor or they were oppressed? I, I have no I have no clue. About that world, I, I don't understand the worldview that says let criminals rape, rob, pillage, kill people, and get away with it, or get off with light sentences. And if someone tries to defend themselves, they should be put in jail or go through this horrible process. Do I think this man will end up doing any jail time? Absolutely not. Other than the time he already did in Rikers Island. But look at the process. Look at what he's going to be put through. He can't go back to work. He's sixty-one. He still needs to work. He's not getting paid. So in 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 a in the world where things are not so topsy turvy, this man would be a hero. This man would be a hero. There would be. Uh, I, I also understand that GoFundMe shut down 
I believe. GoFundMe shut down a uh, a page that was helping Mr. Alba. That was going to help Mr. Alba pay his bail. They shut it down because they're also ultra liberals, ultra whack job liberals who have a certain worldview. And if you're funding something that's not within their worldview, within their narrative of the ultra left wacko narrative, they will shut it down. We saw that during the uh, Canadian truckers where they shut down the page that was funding their protest because it did not fit the narrative of the ultra left totalitarian worldview that the people who run GoFundMe have. So you see, this is all, this is not just George Soros, it's not just DAs, it's it's social media people, it's uh, tech people, it's a whole conglomerate of people who are leading to this disintegration, degradation of society that we're seeing. And we're seeing it really, you know, on a, on a, on a daily basis now. We're seeing it on a daily basis where people just can't live their lives peacefully. They can't. They can't live their lives peacefully. And it doesn't matter. It, it simply doesn't matter. I'm going to go over some recent uh, poll numbers. I'm going to go over some recent poll numbers for, for Biden that came out actually on the 4th of July. This was a, a survey that came out on the 4th of July. And we'll go over some we'll go over some numbers for Joe Biden just to show you that people are indeed getting sick of this. It's not stopping the wacko liberals from being wacko because I think they're crazy and they can't stop being crazy. So I don't think when they look at polls and they go, oh, people hate us. We're going to change our ways. They can't because they're insane. They're mentally insane. So it doesn't matter what the polls say. This is why people say, and I've said this many times in the show, why aren't they changing? When they see the numbers, when they see the facts, why aren't they doing the complete, not complete 180? Because they are insane and they cannot change. They cannot change their ways. Maybe there's some kind of medication. Maybe some big pharma can help them with some medication to help them to help them change their ways. But let's see if I can pull up on Twitter these numbers from the latest the latest poll, which shows uh, Joe Biden's horrific numbers. Actually, I, the, the, I saw this first on here. I, I have to give uh, the former president credit. I saw this first on Truth Social. Trump tweeted out these numbers. This is the civics. This is the civics poll from July 4th. Okay. Biden's job approval, overall 30, disapproved 58. So that's 28 points. 28 points on the water, a 30% approval. Independence, ready for this? 19. Independence, 19. Disapproved, 68. 19% of independents approve of Joe Biden. Disapproved, 68. That's just what is that, 49 points underwater? Look at the approvals from a few important, would you consider, swing states. Arizona, approved 26, disapproved 63. Georgia, remember these two states that supposedly flipped blue in 2020? Approved 26, disapproved 62. Nevada, approved 29, disapproved 60. Pennsylvania, approved 30, disapproved 58. New Mexico, approved 31, disapproved 57. Michigan, approved 32, disapproved 57. Wisconsin, approved 33, disapproved 57. New Jersey, approved 34, disapproved 53. New Hampshire, approved 35, disapproved 53. This is absolutely insane. 
These are absolute insane numbers. But once again, this is the Democrats hemorrhaging voters. They're hemorrhaging voters. And in major, major, major swing states, a few of them, they, they flipped in 2020 in the presidential election. And this is why they're all going to flip back. My liberal friends like to talk about Arizona and Georgia. Oh, and the inroads in Texas. And I say, well, that's all gone now. Biden has wiped that out. The Biden administration has wiped that out. When you see a 26% approval in Georgia and a 26% approval in Arizona, and you see Latinos approving at 20, 25%, independents at 20, 25%, Texas is not going to be close anymore. Texas is not going to get closer again. It's going to get further apart for the Democrats. That's what's going to happen. That's because of Joe Biden. And so these numbers are just so pathetic. And you see when Donald out these numbers, he thinks, I'm going to run for president again. I, I, you can't blame someone when they look at this, when they know that they have a, a, a damn good shot at winning the Republican primary, right? That the only person that might give them a run for their money, maybe win, but let's say DeSantis, one, two, right? So one, two, the worst right now, right now, the worst Trump would be, would be second in any poll. And he's tops in some polls. All right. So the worst he'd be is second. If, you, if the worst you can be right now, this far out, is second in the top two in the Republican primary, and you see these numbers for the incumbent president, the Democrat, it's not crazy to run. It's actually very sane to run because you're using facts, you're using numbers, you're using evidence to make that decision. And I think that's one of the reasons why Trump tweeted this out. Now, I'm going to stick with my guns. I might eat my words, and I may be eating my words like uh, very, very soon, that Trump's not going to run again. People think he's going to run, but I don't think he will. I really don't. I think he'll hunt someone like DeSantis. It's just my opinion. You know, it's just my, my opinion that he's going to get more like DeSantis. Happens. But when you understand why Trump may run, they to do I mean, they're just juicers. They're just lows that we have not seen in a very long time for a president in his first term, only a year and a half into his first term, a few months before the midterm elections, to have an overall approval of 30 and 19 with independence spells total disaster in the midterms and of course very 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 slim chance very slim chance to be reelected for president so those are the numbers and once again a big reason why those numbers are low are because of things like we just saw in new york of a, of someone acting in self-defense being arrested being thrown in Rikers island with a quarter million dollars bail while criminals get out while crime goes up and up and up and in that same state of New York, you have a governor who doesn't believe in the Second Amendment, a governor who doesn't believe that the Second Amendment applies to New York State. It doesn't apply. The founding fathers didn't believe the Second Amendment should apply to New York State, and that if you want, as the Supreme Court voted, it does, ruled it does, she has now decided to try to go around the Supreme Court in a criminal fashion, in an illegal fashion, and that you have to show some ridiculous thing like two years of social media content, and someone she appoints will decide whether you are allowed to have your Second Amendment rights or not. That will not pass in the courts. But once again, things like this that are making the Democratic Party hemorrhage voters.
it's leading to numbers like this. Democrats cannot seem to assess facts anymore. They can't seem to assess evidence. When the evidence shows that vaccines don't stop the spread, when evidence shows that masks have never stopped the spread, when the evidence shows that their numbers and their party and their leadership and their president are rock fucking bottom, they cannot seem to understand, they can't seem to comprehend, because all they can do is hate Trump. The, 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 the hatred for Trump supersedes any evidence or facts or reality. And so they will get what they deserve. They can keep doing this. I hope they do. They will get a total fucking ass whacking in November. And then they will lose the White House in 2024, hopefully. Hopefully it's Ron DeSantis. But if it happens and it loses to Trump, I'll laugh about that also. That might be even funnier. It wouldn't get me to vote for Trump over DeSantis in a primary. But it might be hilarious if that happens. It might be hilarious if that happens, because then they'll have something to obsess over again. Then they'll have some real, then they'll have actually reality to obsess over again, Trump in the White House. Not like the last year and a half, where he hasn't been president, and they've still been obsessed with him. If he wins again, then they'll have another reason for four more years to be obsessed with him. But, and I think that's secretly what some of them want, because their lives are empty and vacant, they won't tell you that, but I think beneath the surface, that is the case. But once again, as we have seen, facts, evidence, nothing matters to Democrats anymore. Nothing matters. Just just their narrative, just their Trump derangement syndrome. You know, just papers like the New York Times who have to continue to fearmonger over COVID, 5AB, 6AC, you know, in one article, they, they try to say it's the worst variant ever. It's the worst variant ever. And, of course, when you look, they say it's the same as Omicron. So the New York Times writes in one article, like two days ago, the worst variants are right now. The worst, the worst COVID variants are with us. And yet, today, we see that it's Omicron. They say it's basically the same thing as Omicron, and the symptoms are the basically the same thing as Omicron, and the same thing as a cold, and the same thing as a mild flu. So this is the bullshit fear-mongering that we've seen all through this thing, just to get hits, just to get ratings, just to get reads, just to get views, just for, so newspapers don't totally go out uh, of style as they will within the next decade. Within the next decade, there won't be any Washington Post. That's another prediction of mine, and I don't think I'll eat my words on this. There won't be another. There won't be a New York Times. Because they'll be anti- newspapers are so antiquated that it's so it's so low budget now, it's so bottom barrel. They have to write these sensationalist stories. They have to write sensationalist stories, which are total bullshit, fear and hysteria, just to get people to look, just to get people to look at them, whether it's at the newsstand or online, or take one of their cheesy, you know, dollar a week subscriptions to our 20 cent a day subscriptions because they are failing because they're fading into the abyss and they deserve to fail and fade into the abyss so all of this stuff whether it's the covid bullshit the vaccine bullshit the mass bullshit the variant bullshit or or these da's who will let criminals go and prosecute people who defend themselves that's what's leading to these poll numbers of Biden, 19% independents. I can't say this enough. 19% among independents, 30, 3, 0. So now we're into less than one out of three. Only three out of every 10 voters support Joe Biden. Three out of every 10. We're getting close to where six to six and a half of every 10 disapprove of him. 
These are these are incredible numbers never seen before. These are record-breaking lows, record-breaking lows, and all the stuff I've talked about over the last half hour that I often talk about on the show since I started this back in November. This is what's leading to these numbers that Joe Biden has, and therefore, as the leader of the party, the Democrats have. And Bill Clinton had the ability to reassess. Bill Clinton didn't have uh, any kind of, obviously there's no Trump derangement syndrome, didn't have any kind of derangement syndrome, didn't have any mental illness, didn't have any inability to, to digest facts and evidence, and he was able to change. People bring up, the right brings up Bill Clinton all the time, and, and rightfully so, because he was able to change. This pissed off a lot on the left. It pissed off a lot of extreme lefties. It pissed off a lot of progressives when he did this, so the triangulation thing. But it saved his party. It saved his presidency. Okay? It saved his party and his presidency. You understand that? Do people, could people understand that? That maybe a Republican would have been elected? Maybe there would be even more Republicans on the Supreme Court now? Right, conservatives on the Supreme Court now? This is what you do when you live in the world of reality and you want to win and you realize that being in power matters, that elections have consequences. Bill Clinton was able to assess information and facts and say, you know what? My way is not the way that's working. It's not what the majority want. It's not what the majority want right now. And he changed. And this current Democratic Party cannot do that because they are so stuck in the, such ideologues, in their ideology. They're so stuck in their ways, in their ways of thinking. They're so stuck in their narrative that there's absolutely no way they can reassess anything. And now they're actually point, past the point of no return. And I guess a reason for this is you didn't really have that extreme left. You didn't have that those progressives, the AOC nut jobs back when Bill Clinton was president. You didn't have that. And now Biden looks at these polls and he feels that's all he's got now. And does he even have that? I, I don't know if he even has that because progressives don't like him. Most of the progressives I know are still saying Bernie should, and Bernie should be president. Think it would be better if Bernie was president. Well, Certainly we'd have someone in the White House with all those brain cells. I don't think anything would be much better because Bernie has basically the same ideology as Biden, even more to the left. I mean, I think he could have been even worse during COVID. He could be worse. Now. I think if Bernie was president, we could still have all these regulations because that's what that his mindset is. It's a mindset of big government. So I don't think things would be much better other than having someone in the White House who actually doesn't have dementia, which I guess in itself is probably a pretty big thing. You know, and so uh, I've talked long enough, and I'm going to go. I've talked for a half hour. I'm going to go to a caller. Let me see here. I'm going to go to Daniel. Let's see if we can get you on there, Daniel. Hey, Daniel, are you there? I'm here. How's it going? Here's, the, here's a question for you, Mike. Go ahead. Give me a question. If, let's say um, you're you're into sports ball of, of the various sorts. Let's say that um, um, from game to game, the the, the team members um, shuffled about. You did so. You weren't you weren't ever assigned to, to one team in baseball. Uh, every every game, uh, get, rules of the game are still the same, but the, the players are different. They're all uh, going through different combinations and permutations of, of rosters. Uh, every game it changes. Would fandom be as intense as it is? I think the answer is no. Right. <laughs> Of course. Oh, no, no, no doubt. Of course the fandom wouldn't be as intense. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Right. So, so, so back in the day, 
um, when we had a real fourth estate in, in this country, um, they they weren't playing for one team or another. This was pre-fairness doctrine um, uh, becoming uh, past tense. Um, right. So so back so so so, so the media um, uh, journalists, you know, they they made modest modest incomes uh, somewhere, you know, maybe around what, what a uh, maybe a, an engineer would make or something, um, and and but then the fairness doctrine went away, and they developed teams. They're no longer are they floating around, you know, rosterless. Now they're on a specific team. And that's drought, and then that creates fandom, and that fandom creates demand, which increases their salaries. And now we have journalists that they're no longer uh, the fourth estate that are um, um, speaking truth to power, um, that are questioning power. They are they're in bed with them. They're going to this the same gala balls with them, and 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 they're no longer adversaries for us. Um, yeah. Wouldn't the, let's look at a couple of different things. Let's look at the let's look at what's happening just in Singapore, right? With let's let's, let's look at Singapore with COVID, where like ninety seven percent of the country was was vaccinated. They all wear masks. They've worn masks forever before COVID, and yet they're on their like eighty fifth lockdown now. They keep on having to. They, we see people screaming now. If you were a real journalist, wouldn't you say almost three years in year three of this now, COVID night year four, right? COVID nineteen. This is twenty twenty two. Wouldn't you say? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Isn't that, isn't that, doesn't that prove, doesn't that prove that vaccines and masks don't really work very well? Wouldn't a real journalist take that little seed of information about Singapore and then maybe do more investigation and say, holy shit, we're seeing the same thing in China. Holy well, shit. Well, a real, a real journalist would, would, would look on Wikipedia, for God's sake, and they'd see that every declared pandemic that, that has occurred in the 19th and 20th, or sorry, sorry, in the 20th. 20th and 21st century, since we've been keeping records of pandemics, every one of them has lasted from beginning to end, from 18 to about 26 months. We are into 31st month of this. Of course, it's over, and it was over a long time ago. So, a re- I mean, a real journalist would be saying, "Hey, what's up, guys? You know, this this isn't this isn't behaving like a real pandemic." Um, right. Uh, this, it, 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 and what we do get, what we do get are journalists who do not, who, there are people out there who are actually saying, and we see this on the news now, that, oh my God, this is the worst variant now ever. And of course, the facts show that's total bullshit, that this yeah, will never, that, that this, this will never end. It will never end. It's ongoing forever. They've been yeah. saying for three and a half, three years now, we're in the middle of it. We're in the middle of something for three years. We never, we've never advanced past it. A real journalist would say, wait a minute, none of this makes any fucking sense. None of this makes any sense. It doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah any sense whatsoever. A real journalist would would, would be focusing on the most important number that we could have ever had during this entire last 30 months, and that was the infection fatality rate, because from that number, you can calculate and get a very good estimate of what percentage of the population has already had the infection. It is the number one most important number for anyone to understand in an epidemic. Yet, they were totally uninterested in that number. And when people like John Ioannidis gave him a number, they, they treated him like he was some vacuum cleaner salesman. He's, he's, he's probably one of the most extinct, distinguished medical statisticians and physicians in the country. And they were treating him like crap and trying to destroy him.
Well, and then you would look at the then let's look at look at the Biden approval numbers, and you look at the Biden approval numbers, and all these numbers. When Trump's numbers, by the way, Trump's numbers for the most part hung out in the low 40s, sometimes up in 30s, low 40s. But I would watch MSNBC and I'd watch a more Joe Scarborough. And if if when Trump when a when a poll came out that showed Trump number at 41, 42, low 40s, Joe Scarborough would constantly say, "Oh my, you can't Mika, low 40s. You can't run a country in the low 40s. Low 40s. You can't run. You're not going to win in the low 40s. You're not going." Now Biden has never hit 42. I, I don't think Biden has been hit, hit 42 for a year now. Biden's approval is 3-0 in this latest poll. Do you see Joe Scarborough on MSNBC? Do you see Don Lemon on CNN? Even talking about this, even saying how, how, how horrible this is, how, how disastrous this is for the Democrats, the way they love to say how disastrous it was for the Republican Party when Trump's approval was 41. If Biden's approval is 30, and yet they don't even talk about it. They might mention it in passing. They were yeah. constantly, constantly talking about Trump's 41% approval. They never talked about Biden's 30% approval. This shows you how these people are not journalists. They're not journalists. They're propaganda machines. Exactly. Because they, because once that fairness doctrine went, around, went away, we no longer have players that are shifting about from roster to roster um, instead, they are they're married to one team, probably for their entire life, and um, and and that can be a, pretty, a much longer um, lifetime than for someone playing sports ball. Um, uh, and, and so, they have a these these so called journalists have a a very um, very long. They have a lot of longevity when it comes to their influence, and uh, they build a brand and. Just like just like with um, fandom out there in the sports world, it gets really, really, really intense, and nobody is doing the job of journalism anymore. It's a freaking sport. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, I want to play something, Daniel. I'm getting. Hold on, Daniel. Let me just put you on pause just for a second because okay. I'm hearing I'm hearing uh, feedback. Um, but I wanted to play a video. I want to play a couple of videos if I can find them. The first one I want to find is there'll be two very different videos. Okay, this is this first one is Ron DeSantis, and I think what Ron DeSantis is talking about here are the, are the uh, those ridiculous ads that Gavin Newsom is playing in uh, in Florida about telling people in Florida you must come to California. Oh, please come to California. It's so great here. Here, this is Ron DeSantis talking about that. The reporter's asking him a question right now about that. He's about to he's about to talk. About So as he's as he what he said if you couldn't hear it too well was in Florida you don't see many California you you didn't for a long time but now you're seeing a lot of California license plates in Florida 
But if you go to California, you know what I'm saying? You're, you're not, um, you're not, <laughs> you're not, you're not seeing many Florida license plates. And that's in reaction to, of course, uh, Gavin Newsom's ridiculous ad. Um, and of course, DeSantis has facts on his side when California has lost millions of people in electoral vote. New York's lost millions of people in electoral vote. They've all gone to Texas and Florida, which both gained an electoral vote. Um, so it, 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 the thing I love about DeSantis is he has a great sense of humor, and he's really able to make very sharp points through a, a, a sense of humor and a very laid-back style. But he's very sharp. He doesn't take any bullshit. He's not going to take Gavin Newsom's bullshit either. And he's basically just laughing at that ad. I got mad at that ad. He's, he's dealing with it the right way. Gavin Newsom is, is, a, is, is just uh, – he's, he's, he's not a serious person. Gavin Newsom is not a serious man. There's nothing serious about Gavin Newsom. It's all about looking good, sounding good, and being a politician. It's all about being – it's all about politics to people like Newsom and Auntie Pelosi, whatever she is to him. You know, it's all, that's it. It's all about politics. It's all about you know, political expediency, okay? It's all about the political game. It's about the game of politics. It doesn't matter if everyone's fucking dying, if people can't afford to live, if people can't afford to eat, if people can't afford to pay their rent. They don't care. It's the game of politics to them. They're all about winning the game of politics. And Ron DeSantis is going to expose this sleazy, snake oil, greasy, hair gel king. And I think he'll really expose him. That's why I, I really want Gavin Newsom to win. I want Gavin Newsom to win the Democratic primary in 2024 so Ron DeSantis can destroy him, can absolutely destroy him in debates and in the general election. That's what I want. That will be the comeuppance for Gavin Newsom that I know Daniel, Blatty, all of us in California, and those of us around the country can't wait to see the great comeuppance for Gavin Newsom when he loses something for once in his life because he just doesn't have the crazy left-wingers in California voting for him. So I wanted to play that. And if I can, if I can pull up, I know I, I put it somewhere. Um, I, you know, I tweet so many things. I, I, that's the problem is I tweet so many things that I often use Twitter to try to save things. I do retweets and likes just try to save videos so I can play them for you. And then I retweet so many damn things that it gets buried. <laughs> they, get, they get buried deep into my feed and I can't find them anymore. But I, I think many of you have heard. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Okay, hold on a second. This is Joe Biden. If I can cue this up. This is the opposite of the DeSantis. This is the 180 degree opposite of, of Ron DeSantis. Here we go. This is Biden talking today into the teleprompter and reading the cues from the teleprompter. Have you guys seen this? Reading the cues from the teleprompter? Here. It is noteworthy that the percentage of women who register to vote and cast a ballot is consistently higher than the percentage of the men who do so. End of quote. Repeat the line. Women are not without electoral and or political, or, or maybe precise, not and or, or political power. That was, he couldn't talk straight for 18, that was 18 seconds, folks. He couldn't talk straight for 18 seconds. What he did, though, if you couldn't hear it clearly, was in the prompter it said, end of quote. He's not supposed to say end of quote. And the prompter said, repeat the line. He's not supposed to say repeat the line. He's supposed to stop and repeat the line. And so he says, end of quote, repeat the line. This is just embarrassing. And then he can't even speak straight. He, he mutters and stutters and all that nonsense. And, you know, it's, it's, it's so embarrassing. It is so embarrassing. And to think there are Democrats out there that think this guy – 
is a better president than Ron DeSantis would be. This guy is better to run. The, it's better off for this guy. It's better off for us in this country and the way we're seen around the world for this this disaster with, by the way, Kamala Harris and Javier Bacara, Bacara standing behind him. These total disasters running the country as opposed to Ron DeSantis. It's very sad. It's, it's just very sad. I, I, I feel sympathy because there's, there's such a sadness behind that. There really is. Anyone could truly, truly believe that. Truly believe it's better for this country, it's better for this world, it's better the way this country is seen around the world, that this disaster, who can't speak straight for 18 seconds, is better off running the country than Ron DeSantis. I just, uh, it's, it, it, it's mind-blowing to me, and I know, I know, it's mind-blowing to you, Blatty, is it not? Of course. I agree with everything you said 100%. This loser's got to go. We don't like him. We don't want him. Never voted for him. Never cared for him. <clears throat> I've been eyeing this bastard since 2009 when he came out in the Proposition 8. Uh, whether you like it or not. Remember I told you that one? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. This guy's a big hypocrite. He just went to Montana, Montana this week. He got caught on that shit. And then uh, when you have, you mentioned Don Demon and you mentioned AOC. Yeah. What are they doing in Florida? You know, while their states were locked down. If, if Florida's so bad. Well, yeah. You see, this is the problem with Democrats. And obviously the, the paper, the, um, sorry, the, the, the uh, poster boy, Gavin Newsom, the biggest hypocrite of all. What is good for thee is not for me. Goes back to that. He wants you masks. He wants you back. But he's running around and his kids are running around without masks, without freedom. Why does he enjoy those freedoms and gets away? Doesn't want to be called out. Why does he want to? Doesn't he like when they want, call him out yeah, on French laundry. Your kids, and he wants your kids vaccinated. Do you remember his kids weren't vaccinated? He goes, oh, we're working on that. What are you working on? It takes two seconds. But you go to Walgreens. It's, it's, exactly. Right. It's, it's just, this guy's disgusting. Yeah, the, the hypocrisy of the left, and then his aunt. She went to San Francisco to. She had this this uh, hair maker, barber, stylist, cosmetologist work on her, but she didn't want no mask, and it was in the midst of the pandemic. Yes, it was. And then, of course, she almost yeah. Go ahead. And then, and then her animosity got that 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 business had to close down. That business had to close down because she created such animosity against this this store owner. The store owner did nothing wrong. Nancy Pelosi did everything wrong, but as usual, they like to blame everyone but themselves. They like to point the fingers at everyone but themselves. And such anim- she creates such animosity towards the store owner that all the crazy wacko liberals forced her to close down. She couldn't stay in business anymore. So she lost her business because of the, she lost her business because of this bitch. Sorry, can't yeah. that. That's it. No, no, say it, say it, say it, say it. I mean, we've had I enough say. of this, this bastard. I did say. Yeah, you know he, he's no 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 different than Cuomo <laughs> quoting and, and saying his nonsense. And at the end of the day, he didn't want to he didn't want to respond for the many deaths that he had in uh, those uh, convalescent homes. They were stuffed uh, patients. They knew what they were doing. Come on, the yeah. first ones to go were the old people. You yeah. know, yeah, and, and, and wanting you know, to answer at least be honest to say you know at least say like Bill Clinton when he got caught. Yes. Even though he said, I didn't have sex with that. Well, no, we just had oral sex, but you just didn't have sex, but you had oral sex. Just at least said, yeah, own up to it for crying out loud. The evidence was there. Just say, I did it. I know I'm going to hurt my wife, but I did it. I know this girl delivered better than my wife, but I did it. And it was damn good. 
I'm sorry, Hillary, but it was damn good. She delivered and you haven't. <laughs> well, can you pay? Hey, can you blame the guy? Look at her. Could you blame the guy? I mean, Monica back then was pretty hot. Now, not so much. But back then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but back, back then she was, she was, she was pretty hot. So I don't know if I can blame him for that. But yes, of course. Look, the fact, but, but, like I said, but at least Bill Clinton was able politically to say, I have to change. We can't, I can't go with this far left agenda. It's going to kill the party. I'm going to lose my job. And he understood that. He understood that. He understood that it actually matters what the majority of this country thinks. It actually matters what this majority of this country wants and needs. And it's something that the modern Democrat can't seem to do. It's like, like I said, their worldview, their ideology, their narrative, their total ideologues, it's all that matters. And they're going to push that and push that and push that through regardless of what the polls say, regardless of what the people say, regardless of what happens during elections, regardless of how many justices the right Republican presidents get to appoint the Supreme Court. They'll complain about everything. They'll complain about everything from A to Z, but do nothing to really change anything, do nothing to change their ways. And, and Mike, I, like, I told, like I told you in our last, uh, your last podcast, all these socialists that are now wanting to are fleeing the Democrat Party. They want to start their own third party, whatever. You know, I don't think they're going to have much success. People hate them, let's be honest. And they're just complaining. So this thing is imploding, imploding, not exploding, but imploding from within. Absolutely. And like, like I mentioned, I, I've been jumping from all these little groups to listen in. Sometimes I don't talk. I just listen in. And it's all pie in the sky. These guys don't got it together. They're, they're off. It's all pie in the sky. It's all bullshit. It. Yeah, they talk about, let's go knock at the door. Okay, but let's address the problem. High inflation, high gas. Let's, let's you know, Keystone Pipeline, you know, the, the, uh, the, oil, the oil in Alaska, the oil in the Gulf Coast, let's put out those permits. We got oil. We got oil in, in Alaska tar pits and all that. Come on, oil sands, you know. Let's talk about that. But no, they don't want to deal with the real issue. You know, you, you know, you know Mike, I have a four-cylinder car, which I'm fixing right now. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen, I've never had to fill up my tank at $60. I know that to most people, that's like whatever, because they got six and seven and eight cylinders for those that have that. My respect to the parents, you know? But I, I first time I filled up my tank, $60. It went from 55 and then judging, coming from 52. I, I started seeing the last, you know, beginning of the year. I was like, this is incredible. I never let it go this, this low and I filled it up with $60. Yeah, or a four-cylinder car, which yeah, go ahead, Greg. It's getting more and more expensive. Look, there are people who are spending a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars to fill up their tanks. You know, it's gotten, it's gotten, it's gotten crazy, crazy expensive. It's got, and as we know, Biden and the Democrats are doing this on purpose because they want to push their crazy green agenda. They want to push their crazy electric car, and they're so detached from people that they actually say things like, "Go buy an electric car." And the average electric car is like sixty-five, seventy grand. So they're telling people who can't afford to spend $100 to fill up their tank to go buy an electric car right now for $70,000. And they, they, so they're torturing people on purpose just to push exactly. their wacky Let me, let me, let me tell you something. Let me, let me chime in on this, Mike, since I know you were talking earlier about Soros, uh, DA criminals. We had mm-hmm. one of Soros, DA criminals here in L.A., Gascon. He's going yeah, out this November. Terrible. He's Two terrible. police exactly. officers in the city of Almonte died. Yeah. I saw because that. he released early release. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Thank yeah. you. I saw that. I want to leave it with that because I know Daniel's waiting, and I got to do other things. But thanks, I love talking <laughs> to you, Mike. All right, Paul. Thank you very much. 
Thanks a lot, Vladdy. I appreciate it. I really, really appreciate it. Okay, we're going to go. I think Daniel has something to say again. Daniel, hold on. Let me try to pull you up. I'm going to pull you up. All right, Daniel. So what's what's up? Oh, did, I, I must have hit the uh, button by mistake again. Um, now, I didn't, didn't really have much to say other than we um, we just need a real functioning fourth estate that um, aren't playing for um, for specific teams that uh, and, and increasing this uh, vitriol and intensity in our in our politics and it's vitriol and intensity over things that really don't amount to, in in most situations don't really amount to uh, much and, well, and then and, and then from out of out of left field um, comes things that really do matter and, and they aren't paying attention to it one bit well I, I i did want some i did want you to respond to something i was watching fox yesterday and i think one of biden's one of biden's crazy doctors said that I mean, his, his opinion was one second getting a little feedback but his opinion was that it wasn't the the problems they made the problems the the Biden administration made on the vaccine rollout wasn't the fact that they pushed a shitty vaccine that they lied about the vaccine it wasn't the fact they pushed a vaccine that hasn't stopped the spread it wasn't the fact that they lied to people and coerced people into getting the vaccine and forced people to get the vaccine and that created the vaccine mistrust it wasn't their lies it wasn't their propaganda it wasn't any of that stuff it was the fact that people just oh they just they just didn't they didn't handle the social part of it right they didn't what he said was once again he was blaming the people he was saying they didn't realize that people were going to seek out false information and there's so much false information spreading out there that they wish they had controlled that better see this this was his whole thing that instead of pointing the finger at himself instead of pointing the finger at the administration for sowing distrust over the vaccines, he pointed his finger, as usual, as Democrats have done since day one on this, at the people. The people were too stupid. The people pushed misinformation. This was, And Jay Bhattacharya was on, and he was just dumbfounded by this. He was just dumbfounded. This guy is so, such a fucking liar, or just so tone deaf, that he didn't realize that he should be pushing, he pointing the finger at himself, at the disinformation they pushed, at the disinformation this administration pushed, that the disinformation Democratic governors pushed, that the disinformation that the left media pushed about vaccines for two years that has sowed distrust, that they said the vaccines would stop the spread and didn't. They said the vaccines would get us back to normal and it didn't. You see, it's not their fault. It's only, it's never their fault. It's never the politician's fault. It's never the leader's fault. It's never the fault of the policies. It's just the fault of the people. And so, Daniel, do you have anything to uh, do? You have anything to to add about that? Daniel, you there? Yeah, Mike. What, this message that they do this repeatedly, where they say they're having a messaging problem. When they say things like that, they aren't saying that to us. They are saying that to to, to those um, to those corrupt individuals in our society, whether they're pharmaceutical companies or politicians, etc. They're saying it to them. They're basically saying, we'll do better next time. We'll do better next time at, at, at this at game of corruption. <laughs> right, right, exactly. That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, 
I think that's that's absolutely right. And I think once again, it's like what they're saying. Like you said, we're just we're gonna do the we're gonna do the propaganda game even better. We're gonna do the censorship game even better next time. We're gonna ha- we're gonna be on top of it. We're not gonna we're not gonna be behind it. We're gonna be in front of it. That's exactly what they're saying. Well, I wanted to uh, wind down the show, but what I really want to talk about in these last few, I know usually on Friday I do a film review. I haven't been able to see a film here in New York. There hasn't been anything playing, to tell you the truth. Imagine being in New York City and there's no films to see, but there hasn't been. It's been a very July, June, July, usually a very slow periods of film. But what I really wanted to talk about um, were two actors who, who, who died uh, in the last 20, about 24, 48 hours. There was James Caan who died and Tony Sirico who just died. Everyone knows James Caan from The Godfather, from Misery, from all, all the great films he's done, um, Elf. And everything. James Conn was just a fantastic actor. Um, but Tony Sirico played Paulie Walnuts on, on Sopranos. So we're talking about really two fantastic actors, two of my favorite actors, such a big part of my lives, who died just in the last 24 hours. And it's tough. Everyone, hey, everyone's getting old, including myself. But we're talking about really, I think, legendary, legendary character actors, of course, both Khan, the Godfather, Sirico in The Incredible Sopranos, playing mobsters, and they were just so great at it. And Tony Sirico, I have to give a little bit of a story here. Um, I I interviewed him when I was working in Las Vegas, in Las Vegas radio. Uh, my friends, are, uh, my, my family were friends with uh, Tony Darrow. Now Tony Darrow is the guy who played in in, in uh, a lot of films, a lot of Woody Allen films. He was in uh, Small Time Crooks. He was the lead in Small Time Crooks. He was the guy who <laughs> got his head bashed in by the uh, wine bottle by Joe Pesci and Goodfellas. Uh, he was played with Chaz Palmateri and analyzed this. And so he was friends with, he also been on The Sopranos. He played uh, Larry Boy on The Sopranos and was friends with Tony Sirico. He got me an hour-long interview with Tony Sirico. And I remember doing the, the pre-interview prep with Tony, and this was, what, 1997? Yeah, I think 1997. So this was actually uh, before The Sopranos. And I was doing a, a prep with Tony, and Tony, Tony said to me, Tony, who's from Brooklyn, New York, who lived on 86th Street with his mother for many years, said to me, Mike, I don't know if I can't curse. He said, I don't, he said, I don't know if I can't curse for an hour. I can't promise you that. I said, Tony, I said, don't worry about it. I said, well, we'll bleep it out or we won't. That's not a big deal. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. And, of course, such a pro, did a full hour, never cursed once, but told me the story about how he got into acting was that he uh, was in prison. He was in prison. Uh, and they had acting troops come in, and he got the bug from the acting troops that came into prison. I thought that was just a, just a fantastic story. So the you know the act the, the characters Tony Sirico played, he knew those guys. He was kind of like those guys, especially earlier in his life, and he brought that real life edge to that role of Paulie Walnuts and all the character actors, usually mobsters, that he played in movies. And he was just such a great guy and such a great actor. And of course, uh, James Conn, just a legendary actor. Um, and if you see the, the television series, The Offer on Paramount Plus, you'll see a lot more about insider information about James Conn and the making of The Godfather. It's just a fantastic series. I, I can't recommend it enough. Get Paramount Plus. Even if you have to pay for the $10 a month, whatever, pay for it for a month and see it. Binge it. It's only 10 episodes, about an hour each. Um, you should definitely see The Offer about the making of The Godfather. But I just wanted to mention uh, those two actors that just both passed in the last couple of days. Just a terrible one-two punch. Um, of James Caan and, uh, and and Tony Sirico. Now we're, we're streaming. You can look up their films, right? You can look up James Caan's films and Tony Sirico's films and watch them all. Most of those films that they're in and the TV shows are fantastic. Just fantastic.
two great actors. Okay, so that's a full week of shows from from New York. I want to remind everyone that on on Monday morning, Monday morning, 1 a.m. Monday morning, Eastern Time, so 10 p.m. Sunday night. Let me go through it again. Sunday night, 10 p.m. Pacific Time, Monday morning, 1 a.m. Eastern Time. I'm going to be on uh, the Frank Morano, the other side of midnight, Frank Morano, WABC Radio. So all you have to do is go on the Internet or go on any of those you know radio apps and look up 77 WABC New York, Frank Morano, the other side of midnight. It'll be his first show of the week. He does an overnight show from 1 to 5 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday to Friday. I'll be on Monday morning, and uh, we're going to talk and uh, get to promote this uh, you know, podcast a little bit. That'll be good, but we'll talk about old-time radio and also some uh, current events that are going on. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. I'll be his guest. I'll be a guest for once at 1 a.m. on Monday morning Eastern Time. So definitely catch it. Don't forget it. Catch it. Listen to me, and you can call in if you want to. You can call in and say you listen to my podcast. It'll seem like I'm a big shot. Okay. Anyway, thanks for listening. This has been And Let's Be Heard. I'm Mike Chopley, and remember, always remember, vote Democrats out of office. Vote them out now.